Okay. All right. First Peter. First Peter chapter one. This is session two, our second class in First Peter, the first epistle general of Simon Peter. Now, we walked through an introduction last time and we walked down to verse five. We're going to go back up a little bit. We try not to do this. Uh, you know, a, a verse by verse study of your Bible, a expository study could take, literally could take, you know, years. And it does sometimes. In a classroom situation, we try to cover the things we feel like will be passed on to others. Our theme is teaching others also. So when we got into First Peter here, we spoke about, of course, the object, the strangers and the pilgrims. We talked about the the theme of it. And with that, we also talked about this thing with Simon Peter of uh, his own reprovableness, his own correctableness. You could correct him. You could train him. You could teach him. It is not a soft will that makes for a great disciple or soldier or really anything in life. You need a strong will. The difference is a strong will submitted is almost unstoppable when it comes to a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Simon Peter had a strong will. He did. He had a motivated will. And, uh, you know, the theme of this thing, you could say the theme of, of First Peter is suffering. It's 15 times in five chapters, suffering in some form. He was definitely warning them of the future in the sense of what it takes in the Christian life. It has been said the best way to train a soldier is you got to persecute them. And persecution isn't, you know, debasing them and everything, but you have to expose a soldier, and especially the more soldier they're going to be, you have to expose them to persecution, trouble, trials, whatever you want to call it, in order to make them a good soldier. The reason there's all this, you know, emphasis nowadays on our, some of our special forces with the missions they've had to pull off, uh, whether it be, you know, the recon and the Marines or Rangers, whether it be Navy SEALs, just any of them, whether it be over uh, British SAS, Australian SAS, Special Air Service, whatever it is, you know, a lot of the emphasis has been on their training and and people trying to reduce the, the you know, the rigor of the training and the what it does to them and holding up a card that says I'm stressed. Uh, <laughs> I, I get all that. They're worried about human nature, uh, human life. But at the same time, you can never ever actually prepare somebody enough for what they're going to experience. If they really do something that requires sacrifice, you can just do the best you can to prepare them mentally, physically, uh, you know, psychologically, etc. So Simon Peter is going to talk about suffering. There are, of course, different kinds of suffering, and we'll talk about that as we go through this. But one of Peter's best attributes is you could reprove him, you could correct him, his reprovableness. And so he's writing to them, and he's, he's exhorting them from the very beginning that what they need to be aware of is that they're kept, verse 5, look, by the power of God, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. But he leads up to that by saying in verse 4, he says that he is begotten us again, verse 3, 
born again, okay, unto a lively hope, not a dull hope, not a dead hope, not a dormant hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God, etc. And would you notice, okay, that we keep faith, the power of God keeps us. The two work together. When I feed my faith, when I keep my faith, when I nurture my faith in God, when I, uh, first thing that you wake up, you need to direct your heart, your mind to God. Now, I know, could be like Oliver B. Green was. They said he had to drink a pot of coffee before he even felt awake. Well, at least he did that with the idea that he was going to serve God. Amen. And the thing that we become aware of as we follow him is we do our, the maintenance. We keep the faith. We nurture our faith. We feed our faith. We attack our doubts. And then we are kept by the power of God. We're kept for the future, but now. And let's look at verse 4, and I don't know how much of, of our class time it'll take today, but let's look at verse 4 where he says, To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. So you got to get your mind on the fact that it's not about down here. That's the thing to get, get really get hold of. I, uh, we all need blessings down here to survive, and some need a larger level of comfort than others. Uh, I enjoy the comfortable things when they're available. I've said before that even though I've slept many a night on the ground and uh, in an inconvenient place in the line of duty for Christ, uh, anybody who'd sleep on the ground when they could get in a nice, you know, supportive, nice bed is maybe needs to be talked to. But if you can't sleep on the ground cheerfully, joyfully for Christ, you need some talking to. You need to talk to yourself. Because it's not about this life. If we're not careful, this life becomes more real than the next life. If you're not careful, this inheritance, uh, what you have, <coughs> what you might realize because of Christ, it becomes more here than there. But the inheritance you want is the one that's incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, the best I can tell, we start off with a full inheritance, okay? It starts off full. And then he warns us. We start with a full reward. That's why there's a couple warnings about losing a reward. If you'll turn to the right there to 2 John, just a couple pages there. 2 John, and we'll look at one verse, verse 8, 2 John, verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full market reward. Over to Revelation, a couple more, just a couple pages. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3, let's look down at verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast that no man take thy crown. That's important. You don't want to lose your rewards that are eternal. So the danger is <clears throat> that we would 
allow something to come into our life, a practice, a belief, something that gets in the way and costs us an eternal reward. Because this inheritance is incorruptible, it's undefiled, it fadeth not away, it's reserved in heaven. We start off with a full reward. Now, how does this thing, this word inheritance work? And you need to be careful. There are some who have taken this word inheritance and they've gone back and they've retranslated stuff and they've lost the truth we're going to look at for the next few minutes. But we're going to take some of this time that we have. There is a guaranteed inheritance. Now, there's a guaranteed home and that's heaven for you. Come to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. In the study of this thing of inheritance, we also will solve some of the conflict people have when they read certain verses and they begin to think that you've got to keep your salvation. You don't keep your salvation. 1 Peter 5, 1 verse 5, you're kept by the power of God. You say through faith. That's right. You trust in him. You keep your inheritance by how you relate to God. Your home in heaven is not your inheritance. Your home in heaven is settled, okay? Now, as we read these verses, if you take them like they're written, it opens up a whole new world of understanding, but it also takes every single thing you do in your daily life and it applies it to eternity. This is what's so amazing about this Bible, the Word of God. Ephesians 5, verse 5. Now, the context is he's talking how they ought to live and walk as dear children in verse 1 and 2. <clears throat> he tells them what they ought to avoid in verse 3 and 4. Verse 5, for this you know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person, now watch, nor covetous man, and that's not specific to the to a male, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Does that mean that a person who covets cannot go to heaven? No. Does that mean that a believer, because he's writing to believers, is going to miss out on heaven? No. So you see, sometimes when you think of those, of the wickedness of sensual, sexual sins, whoremonger, unclean person, he moves in and says it's even closer. And he says in verse 5, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. So you can lose your inheritance and parts of it. We won't go to 1 Corinthians 3. That's a whole study in itself. Just But write it down. That's a companion passage to this. But let us be aware. Turn back one page, I guess it might be, or two in Ephesians. Ephesians, okay? And look at Ephesians chapter 1 for a minute. It is really important, I believe, personally. And I've found it true through reading the old timers whose writings have left behind of their sermons, of their writings, but hearing the preaching of the last 50 years of my life and also of experiencing it and teaching it to others. This truth, the awareness of this truth can give you a strength that hardly anything else can give you. Ephesians chapter 1, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit in verse 13, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. 
which is, verse 14, the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. So the whole thing's not over yet. We're not finished yet. Let me give you a reference. I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, Jeremiah 2, verse 7, he says, And I brought you into a plentiful country to eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made mine heritage an abomination. And so the, the, the warnings we get from the Lord come to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. Right? They're just a, these are just a couple pages, you know, ahead of or uh, in, within relationship to what we're studying in 1 Peter. Colossians chapter 3. Now, Colossians 3, this passage, is to me one of the most powerful passages in the New Testament for us about our daily life, if you'll hear me out a minute. Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians 3, he starts off and he says, verse 1, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Do you know, I, and I was saying recently in a, in a class, if you walk through your house, walk through your workshop, walk through your garage, whatever, whatever you have, walk through your office. If you just looked at everything for a minute, just scan from one thing to another and said to yourself, God, would you have spent your money on all this? Because when we buy something, now look, I'm not telling you to live like a minimalist, but when we buy something or we trade for something, we're saying God wants me to have this. Because our life is a stewardship. He bought us. You're bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So he says, set your affection on things above. Verse 3, you're dead. Your life is hid with Christ and God. <clears throat> now follow me. He says, you put on the new man, verse 10. Okay. And he gives them some instructions. Just for the sake of time, look at verse 17. And whatsoever ye do in word... Or deed, word or deed, how you talk and what you do. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. He didn't say, now walk around and say, oh, in Jesus' name I do this, in Jesus. That, that's a cop out. Watch what he's talking about. He's going to deal with roles, R-O-L-E-S. God always deals with roles in the Bible. And in the New Testament, he really lays it out, which is awesome for us. He talks about wives, verse 18, husbands, verse 19, children, verse 20, fathers, verse 21, servants, verse 22. By the way, in your Bible, in your English Bible, when you come across servants and masters, that's it. That's primarily a picture of an employee-employer relationship. And the wording of many employment contracts still reflects that across the world. So he, he gets it. Wives and husbands, children, fathers, servants. Verse 23, and whatsoever you do, like he started off with in verse 17, in verse 23, whatsoever you do, do it how? Heartily. If you can't do it with your heart, don't do it. Now, you might be supposed to do it, and so you got to make yourself put your heart into it, even though you don't like doing it. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord, and not unto men, knowing, would you mark verse 24, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ. 
So you got to understand this is one of the most powerful pictures of your daily life. It doesn't matter if I'm a butcher baker or candlestick maker. It doesn't matter if I'm digging a ditch, okay, or if you're doing big deals and making millions. Whatever I do, it doesn't matter if you're doing laundry, it doesn't matter if you're changing diapers, it doesn't matter if you're mowing the yard, it doesn't matter what you're doing. He said, if you do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men, for you serve the Lord Christ, he's helping you work on your inheritance that will last forever. It will be incorruptible, undefiled, and fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You're there in, uh, go to Galatians for a minute. That was Colossians, two, just to the left, maybe one or two pages, depending. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Now, you may immediately think of Galatians 5 as the passage that deals with the flesh versus the spirit. So, Galatians chapter 5, he starts in verse 19. The works of the flesh are manifest. That these are things you can see, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. Then he shifts gears, idolatry, witchcraft. Hatred, variance, emulations. You ready? Wrath, strife, seditions, heresies. He shifts gears. Envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, I, I, I of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If a person commits one of those things or does some of those things and they're a born-again child of God, God's going to deal with them as a son and chasten them, chastise them. The loss isn't their salvation. The loss is their eternal reward. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says that you're going to get saved, yet so is by fire. By the skin of your teeth, you're there. You're there because you received Christ. You're there because you trusted him. But it's amazing. Come up left a little bit more. Romans chapter 8. These cross-references of Scripture are a great part of studying the Word of God. We compare Scripture with Scripture. Sometimes a verse will stand almost alone. I get that. But in these things that we're studying with Simon Peter, we're studying a teaching that he left, a doctrine you could say, that he left behind, that he sent out. I don't, I don't think Simon Peter had any idea that this thing would be in here forever thy word forever is settled in heaven and what we have is what they call the closed canon in other words the closed canonical c-a-n not two n-o-n we have the completed word of god simon peter may not have had any idea that his his this epistle was going to be in there but god put it in there for god's people and it weaves together with the other writings for new testament christians to understand what our walk is going to be like down here because it's going to affect our inheritance in heaven. Romans 8, in your mind, on a piece of paper, write down, you know, Romans 8 is, is a pivotal chapter in learning about the spirit walk of a Christian. I believe a lot of people are stuck in Romans 7 where he said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I think a lot of people are stuck in Romans 7 where he said, I find a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. I find I, a lot of people are stuck in Romans 6 and 7 where all they can say is the good that I would, I don't, etc. Yeah, but then he gets to Romans 8 and he gives us the answer. 
And in Romans 8, let's look at verse, a couple of verses quickly, verse 17. Pick it up in verse 16. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's the thing that speaks peace to us. We point someone to Scripture, absolutely, when they get saved. We point someone to the assurance Scriptures. The Spirit bears witness with it. Now watch. He said, uh, the spirit itself bears witness, verse 16, verse 17. And if children, then heirs, mark it, heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, semicolon, if so be. If you're reading your English Bible and it doesn't say something almost exactly like, if so be that we suffer with him, you need to be aware of that Bible. Because it's hiding a truth that is absolutely essential. We do not go out and try to suffer. Oswald Chambers says you don't choose the place of your martyrdom. But we know. Now, now listen. An old timer wrote and said, For a child of God to be tempted to sin is to suffer. When the devil attacks, the world attacks, pushes, pushes, wants you to compromise, cave, give in, that is to suffer. So we don't decide what suffering is. But he said, Joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may all be also glorified together. For I reckon, verse 18, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Someday, 1 Corinthians 15, there's different glories out there in the solar system. Someday there'll be different glories in heaven. And it won't be how many people you might have led to Christ or how many people you influenced by number. It'll be what sort your work was, 1 Corinthians 3. So when we look at these things, you're, you're still there in Romans 8, I hope. Look over at chap, chapter 8 there, verse 30. Oh, I think it's down around 32. Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? This thing is promised, okay? It's promised. We start off with this full reward, and we could, honestly, we could go through so many more verses. Well, actually, grab 2 Timothy on your way back to 1 Peter. Let's grab 2 Timothy. Now, one of the things about uh, the... And, and I honestly, I, I love, don't say I'm great at it. I love studying my Bible this way. I love teaching the Bible in this manner because it gives us a weaving together of scripture and, and you're not in a hurry. Now, now make no mistake, uh, subject, topical, textual preaching, it, it is powerful. And our diet of it is essential. It's part of a balanced diet to have that. And God will use it to help us, teach us, correct us, motivate us, okay? But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 11, it is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we, should, we, all, we shall also live with him. I'll never forget on a hillside in California in 1987, at only 54 years old, my mother went home to be with the Lord. They took her body out there. We stood on that hillside of that cemetery and they lowered it down. And my dad walked over and grabbed a handful of dirt and he threw it in there and said, you can't keep her with great conviction. I mean, there was almost a revival at the graveside. You can't keep her. Was he happy that he had to be alone then? No, but you know what was real? 
heaven became more real that day. Four years before that, we'd laid my baby brother Jimmy in the grave. Heaven became more real than that. The great old soul winner up there in New England, they said, when, what, what was the biggest turn in your life? He said, the day I laid my, little, my only and little son in the grave, the world and I parted forever. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Hallelujah. Verse 13, uh, verse 12. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now watch, if we believe not, yet he abideth faith, we cannot deny himself. What will he deny us in verse 13? Nothing. He abideth faithful. But what will he deny us in verse 12? Some of that inheritance. If you doubt what I'm saying, uh, come over to 1 Peter and then hang a right for a minute, a little tiny bit, Second John. Little epistle. 1 John and then grab 2 John. It's going to be like one page in your Bible. 1 John's got five chapters. <coughs> 2 John probably doesn't even take up a full page. It doesn't in my teaching Bible here. 2 John, verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Hang right a couple more pages quickly. Revelation chapter 3. If you get a picture of this, now now listen, we're going to we're going to have to go to one more passage that's come to my mind so you don't understand that you can figure it out or you should cash in your chips because you feel like, you know, well, it's all up. I've lost my reward. I I didn't live for God like I ought to for a year or two or whatever. Revelation chapter 3. Look with me down with me at verse 11. He said, Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Okay? Now, you and I don't know how that works. Only God does. And we're going to get one more verse in here. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. This is essential, this, this passage we're going to go to. The reason you don't ever just throw in the chips, throw in the towel, and just give up is because only God, now watch, only God knows how he's going to do it. So what you don't want to do is ever give up. If there's a time you gave up, get back in right now. You say, well, if I get in right now, I, I, I might, you know, I'm about to ready to go home and the Lord's about to come back. I know. End of the day, he hires those guys at the end of the day. The parable Jesus gave, he gave them all the same pay. And the guys that had a bad attitude because they'd worked all day didn't have a right spirit. Their spirit was wrong. They got what they agreed for. Amen. And we'll get what we agree for. 1 Corinthians 4, you need this passage. We'll tie this particular class together here in just a minute. Who are, remember our verse, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, why does he keep us? So that we can have, verse 4, an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. 1 Corinthians 4. We'll begin reading in verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Would you keep in mind, please, a steward does not own 
what he's stewarding over. A steward does not own anything, basically. Okay? You are not your own. You're bought with a price. You don't own you. You don't own the money you make. You don't own the stuff you, you get from others. You don't own it. You're a steward. When God saved you, it was no unreasonable thing that he would say, now I bought you with a price, so glorify me. And a person who won't get saved because they don't want God to own them, they've got a problem they need to settle before they get saved. Don't be trying to tell them, oh, you get saved and all that will work out. It won't. They'll be selfish towards God all the rest of their life. He saved you. He bought you with his blood. Now let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ, stewards of the mysteries of God. There's at least seven mysteries in your Bible. And you preach them even though you can't explain them. For example, the virgin birth is a mystery. You know, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3.16. All right, moreover, verse 2, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Or of man's judgment. Yeah, I judge not mine own self. Now, the Corinthians were the kind of people who judged everything. They would have fit in great with the modern, modern day, American, Western world Christian. Because they think they got to judge everything. Well, is this right? Is so-and-so doing right? Is so-and-so teaching right? It, if they're not your pastor or, or whatever, who cares? Let them stand before God. Paul said, I don't even judge my own self. I don't know. Watch. For I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Verse 5. Don't go away without marking it. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. And he goes on to talk about he and Apollos and and, and the ministry. And he says in verse 7, Who maketh thee to differ? What is thou that is not received? See, our stewardship is about what we have from God, what we are, not about what we want to be or what someone else is, how great they are, or how wide they use. It doesn't matter. It matters nothing to God. So, we're back in First Peter. We're going to tie this class together. So, we start off with a full reward, verses 4 and 5. An inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, kept by the power of God. And then we're going to move into the fact that there's these things that come into our life, okay? And when they come into our life, we're to keep our faith, we're to follow God, and it's going to end up, verse 7, before we close, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. And right here, you know, 2023, 20, there. And, and I understand all the different reasons the marketers, but what are they pushing? Gold, gold, gold. Why? Because they're concerned that they're going to take that piece of paper or you have, or even worse, that digital thing on your phone that's supposed to be your balance, and they're going to turn it into little or nothing. Okay? I, I think sometimes they're forgetting that whoever controls that is going to control what you can buy with the gold too. <laughs> they could devalue the gold or they could value it so much that they decide that you got too much of it and we're going to have to share it all with the rest of the world. Listen, you're not going to beat this world system. God's going to beat it. What we've got to do is we want to get that full inheritance. 
It is incorruptible, undefiled, fadeth not away. That means that if you'll get earthly rewards, they can fade away. If you get heavenly rewards, they're forever. Forever. Let that sink in when you think about this passage of Scripture. I, I, I enjoy the blessings of life. I enjoy when God provides good food, good night's rest, measure of health. You know, when you get older and older, sure, all the old injuries come back that you've suffered, all the old stuff, but you know, it's a blessing to be topside. And uh, I, I'm, I, if they were taking up a load today, I'm not suicidal in any way, shape or form, but I definitely put my hand up. I'll take that ticket. I'll be glad to go home to heaven. Hallelujah. I'll miss a thing down here. I'll miss certain people, but they're going to come along later too. But let me say this. The consciousness is of this full eternal reward. Go back and just soak up Colossians 3, that whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. Father, pray close out this class with your blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.